You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers with Saya, Anissa and Boromir. Hi everyone, this is Saya being unnecessarily perky. Hi, it's Anissa, not perky today, sorry. <laughs> and Boromir just being ordinary levels. Um, <laughs> welcome back to A Long Yak. This one, this one's going to be uh, a nice, like, longish long yak. At least longer than the last long yak, which was surprisingly short. Yeah. <laughs> and this episode is brought to you by our amazing patrons who we can never thank enough. But thank you anyway. Yes. But yes. well, we still want to thank, thank you. you. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so um, what shall we start with, Saya? Because this is honestly Saya's episode. <laughs> well, honestly, yeah. Saya is just like... Everybody, come and sit down with me so I can talk to you about dramas I'm watching. And also, it has to be all of you because if I talk to one of you, the other will be very upset and feel left out. Yes, that's true. This, this is Just a as fact. I was very upset and left out of the Boys Over Flowers episode you guys recorded without me. Rejected. So. You were invited. <laughs> so don't, even, don't even start. I was okay. at work. I'm never invited on Saturdays. I'm always at work on Saturdays. <laughs> also, like, it's not true because if you had been available, we would have done it on Sunday. So, uh, I mean, I haven't watched any of the Boys Over Flowers in any form. So it's really not anybody's fault but and, mine. And you refuse to sacrifice your drama watching time to this endeavor. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. You know how many? Well, I tried once in seriousness to watch it. And the first episode episode was really awful I couldn't do it not in 2020 or whenever it was that I tried it you know if you ever if you ever decide to start one of them I would recommend F4 Thailand mm, me too. just don't don't watch any of the other ones yeah. just watch F4 Thailand just, just think of that uh, <laughs> as a polished final manuscript and all of the previous versions were just bad drafts that is like the original that everything else is adapted from of right. course. <laughs> it's the masterwork yeah. not the manga but the 2005 drama yeah. Hana Yori Dango is where Matsumoto good. was the best yes. Domyuji which we have established yes, <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> okay but since you have already covered that ground today we are going to cover new ground which actually is a little bit of a follow-on, I guess, from our Shooting Stars episode. And I'm not sure which order these episodes are coming out in. So either it's already come out or it's coming out. So look forward to it or go back to it and check that one out. Um, so this, the drama I want to start with is a little drama called Miracle, which I literally had not heard of until I decided to watch it. And I haven't heard anything about this anywhere it is a 14 episode or it's on JTBC and it stars Chani, who we last saw in Imitation and Kangmina, who we last saw in True Beauty and maybe something else. Oh, At a oh, Distance at from a the Screen. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> and Huyang, who was also in Imitation as a member of Shex, but like uh, one that we didn't really pay attention to. I liked him a lot in, in Imitation though. Oh, I don't remember him. Yeah. Was he was he? the one with the blue hair. He was cute. I mean, he didn't have a lot to do, but I liked him. Yes, he was very oh, likable. I think I didn't pay a lot of attention. So this drama is about, um, like, Chani is this top all-grossing, worldwide famous, I want to say worldwide handsome, because <laughs> because I've been watching too many BTS, like, Jin videos of him <laughs> saying, I'm worldwide <laughs> handsome. So basically, it's about um, these two high schoolers who... Uh, one of them wants to become an idol and one of them is her male best friend. Two episodes of it are out and I read the synopsis on my drama list and it basically goes on with the best friend becomes like a top star to rival Chani who is called Lewis, by the way, spelled in a really bizarre way, L-U-I-C-E, which mm. every time I look at it really kind of makes my brain go <laughs> wonky because I think that looks like juice or, right. <laughs> or that looks like sluice or that looks like Lucy. <laughs> it's just every time I see it, I'm like, why did you spell it like that? Which has nothing to do with anything. Um, so basically, I don't know what happens next, but I really like it. It's very sweet. You have this uh, friendship between Sorin and Shiu, that's like Mina and Huyang, they're best friends. And then like this is one of my favorite things in uh, these stories where the famous person kind of 
they meet a normal person and the normal person doesn't know that they're that famous person. And then they have this encounter, which may or may not be a positive one. Um, It's kind of like the modern day version of the the prince who's disguised as a commoner. Yes. And then he meets his romantic interest, which which happens in um, The Red Sleeve as well. Oh, really? Oh. Okay, you've added a level to my desiring to watch that. <laughs> not a commoner, but not yeah. he's not presented as royalty when he mm. meets her. True. Yeah. But like you, like you know how I've I'm on this sort of K-pop novel role and you know XOXO by Axio similar like you have this idol and then you have your main character who's just this ordinary girl who's um wait, I'm mixing up all of the plots, but sh- either she's an idol or she's uh, some other kind of musician. And then the, there was like a Once Upon a K-Prom by Kat Cho. And like Stephanie's book is actually a little bit different because that's not romance-centered. But that whole thing about like the industry insider and this extremely famous person in the center who is unable to access sort of the normal world and normal friendships. Um, so Miracle looks like it's setting up to be that. And Mina, I think, is set up to become a character who is, I think, like a YouTuber or something. And Shu, he becomes this super, super famous idol. But she's also sort of met Lewis, who she's the world's biggest fangirl of, but she doesn't recognize him. <laughs> and so the entire time they are having this encounter, she's like, oh, Uriopa wouldn't do this and Uriopa wouldn't do that. And he's like, what's so great about your oppa? <laughs> and she's like, and then he's like, he takes off his shades and he's like, okay, fine, I'll let you see. And she's like, what? <laughs> and she just, ref- she just cannot for a moment imagine that he is her oppa. And so there's this like wonderful whole episode of her putting him down the whole time and him just like trying to, he can't come out and say it. He can't be like, I am Lewis, because on the one hand, he doesn't want her to find out. On the other, he wants her to guess. On the other, he is like, this girl thinks I'm so rubbish. Like she literally calls him like insur, like ingansuragi. And so it's like, how do I even come back from this? Like it's brutal and hilarious. That means Um, human trash. Yes. Um, Oh yeah, sorry. (laughs) Um, So that is just very fun. Like I don't feel it's particularly deep. But sometimes you just want that drama at that level, which is just, it feels very frothy and enjoyable. And I feel like, Boromir, this is your drama. Yeah. Like, go and I mean, watch I'm, those no, two I'm, episodes I, right I now. And I'm like, why <laughs> do I not know that this is airing? And exactly. Why haven't we heard of this? It's on Vicky. It's so easy to watch. Like, I, go I and watch it. I don't think it's come up on my Vicky's main page for whatever reason. It's it's very yeah. odd. Yeah, like it hasn't come up in anything. Like all of the places that I look up upcoming dramas and whatnot, it's just... It just suddenly appeared one day. Yeah, I also hadn't heard about it. <laughs> Me neither. Mm. So I felt that both of you and would want to. And this is especially <laughs> weird because it's a GTBC drama. Like it, yes. it, it looks like a right. small broadcast drama, but it's not. It's a major broadcast yeah. drama. How is it? Yeah, making... and it's a full length one. Yeah, like it's a, it's fourteen episode. Uh, the episodes are actually the episodes are about forty five minutes, which I have realized is the sweet spot of episode length mm. i realized that back when we did shut up flower boy band <laughs> and it was such a short-lived time of 45 yeah. minute tbn episodes and then uh, tbn was yeah. just like why should we even care we yeah. can just do an hour and a half and then it was just downhill yeah from there. the thing is it's been so long since those dramas and because i've been watching c dramas again recently and that is quite a sort of a, a standard episode length yeah it reminded me again this is why it's easy to binge a C drama and it's why it's easy to press play on it. Thank because you. even the thought, I mean, yeah, the thought like, of committing I, <laughs> 60 minutes is just hard. It's really hard to convince anybody to watch like 60 to 70 minute, 40 it's episode It's hard to convince dramas. yourself. Sure, even that. But like when you are when you really want your friends to watch this really great mm-hmm. drama and you're like, you know what? It's 40 episodes. And they're like, what? <laughs> you're like, 70 minutes each. No, nobody's going to watch that. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're like, it's, you know, actually 30 minutes and maybe 10 minutes because of Because 10 intro. minutes are credits. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So <laughs> it's, it's actually just 30 minutes and 40 episodes, basically 20 episodes in K-drama language. And then you're like, yeah. okay, maybe I can give that a shot. Like, be human ready. K-dramas, what are you doing? Yeah, it's true. I'm just super happy that you're on the C-drama train right now. And discovering 
a lot of good dramas because I, usually I'm the only one on that train and I come yeah. and tell you guys some stuff but you guys aren't watching them so it's not really mm. like there's no yeah. back and forth but like the last month's been great yeah. um so I've gotten <laughs> me to watch a K-drama uh, a C-drama yeah and I've been watching many and I will tell you about them but I also have to admit that like my forays into C drama are very sort of genre driven so this is again is a result of my my drama list tag browsing where they've come up with all of these very highly rated time slip time loop time something related content which is how I came across Crossfire before Crossfire I actually watched the show called Reset which is excellent like it was so good like Borma you have to watch it is exactly your kind of drama it is 15 episodes I believe and it is time loop drama done in the best possible way before that I watched a drama called One More Time which is a, a K-drama it starred Elle and Yoon Sohee I believe did my is. sister tell me about this Maybe. or am I just hallucinating yeah, somebody definitely told me about reset because the plot sounds very familiar <laughs> maybe you're experiencing a reset <laughs> ah. <laughs> that was I'll have bad. to ask her she may have mentioned this to me okay let me this was unplanned but let me quickly tell you about one more time you know I quite like Elle these days I think that he's grown as an actor and I just find him very endearing because he's like, he's very warm. He's very likable when he does a likable character. But I've also realized that he has, I mean, I've known this all along, but also it hasn't improved, that he has a particular weakness in his acting, which is when he's being sort of a bit villainous or when he's being a bit bad, which is that he has this sort of one go-to method of expressing that badness, which is like, you know, hunching up his shoulders and getting really sort of ugly. In One More Time, he plays this guy who is the lead singer of an indie band who is struggling to make it. And, you know, like music dramas are generally quite good um, when done right. But this is like a music slash time loop slash sort of romance. And it was just it was weird. In the beginning, you're just like, I really don't like you as a character. And I think you deserve to suffer and be unhappy for the rest of your life and then in the middle it gets really interesting and then in the end it resolves in a really like I don't understand what happened kind of way so it was short it was like eight episodes each episode was half an hour it wasn't like such a big thing that you were like oh I wasted my life watching it I was like ah I was gonna recommend it to you Burma, and then I watched the end and I was like, I'm not going to recommend that to her now. Okay. <laughs> if it ended well, I would have. Um, but then after that, I watched Reset. And Reset is about like a young woman who um, she's on a bus and the bus explodes during her trip on it. And we find out that there's a bomb on the bus and then she wakes up again. Like she dies, she wakes up. She dies, she wakes up. And each time she has to figure out what is happening on the bus and then quite early on she actually manages to pull another passenger into the time loop with her and so the whole show is them figuring out how can they stop the explosion and they never know which sort of loop is the last loop and each loop is iterative in the knowledge that they gain from the loop before and it has consequences and like they adjust the things they do each time it's just really really like this is how you should write a time loop drama. Every moment of it is tense and the characters are so endearing. Forma, <sighs> watch it and talk to me about it. Yeah, I'm this, this is exactly my thing. <laughs> oh my this God. This is such a good drama. Well, how, how is it that since the beginning of this drama, I now had two dramas uh, to watch to my ever expanding list and I can't believe I hadn't I hadn't, I did, the, neither of them were on my radar. Um, yeah, just the power of MDL tags. Thank you, MDL. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, it's 10 episodes, which is nice and short, right? Yeah. Uh, re, uh, reset, reset, reset is, is 15, 15 episodes. episodes. Yeah, 15 yeah. episodes. But they're, again, oh, really? 40, 40 minute episodes. And believe me, when you start it, you kind of just keep going. And I think I didn't sleep for like two nights. Oh my God. Because uh, the cliffhangers are insane. Oh, it sounds extremely uh, binge worthy. It's so, like, you are so involved and you're constantly on edge. And it's so tense. And the, yeah, it's just so good. <sighs> 
Yeah. <laughs> it's apparently on Netflix in my region. Oh, so really? oh, I know what I'm is, watching it is, today. It is. <laughs> nice. It's also highly recommended by our friend, uh, K-Fan Girl. That's where I'd heard about it. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, because yes. you... Yes, oh. that may be where I heard about it yeah. too. I, I can't remember now, but yes. Okay. So from Time Loops... Um, we now go to time slips and <laughs> a K-drama <laughs> that we had been uh, watching, Asaya and I, was Again My Life. We tried to put Anissa in. She quickly abandoned us uh, and she'll tell us why. <laughs> um, the last time we spoke about Again My Life, Asaya and I were like really hopping enthusiastic about it because... Um, Ejunki, I keep trying to call him Ejunki, sorry. <laughs> Ejunki, um, looking really great, having like a story with like a tight plot line and us just really liking how the flashback and like him reliving his life was working out, like what his strategy was and how it was panning out. So basically our thoughts in the last episode we mentioned this on was mostly about the first half. I think Saya at that point was just in the middle of the drama. I was closer towards the third quarter. Uh, no, actually, I think the last time we talked about it, I had got up to episode, I believe, 10. And I think just before that, I had had a conversation with you saying, after I had watched 9 and 10, saying that it felt like it had slowed down. And then you said, yeah, it really needed to because so much was going on. Mm. And then from that point, I kind of paused watching it until the whole thing finished airing because I had already decided that I wanted to watch it again from the beginning and like one through eight I just loved it so much and I'll tell you like what I really loved about it so apart from the whole time thing I that's one of my favorite things so I really enjoyed that I really liked and we didn't talk about this before because we didn't want to go into too much spoiler territory but like Anissa's dropped it now so we can talk about it and also we can all sort of get our feelings out which you know clearly are not going to be quite the same as they were in the first half. So this is your spoiler warning if you don't want to know what happens at, at the very end. Um, yeah, so the things that I really loved about it was the way that he was able to go back and collect people that he had met in his life. Like he got to cut out like all of the mistake-making parts, all of the parts where he had suffered and just go straight to the good bits, right? This is like, you know what's coming, so you can just go to the good bits. I mean, sort of like what Anya said in her blog post, that you can fast forward to the good bits and you don't have to go through the bad bits. And just that that feeling of collecting your favorite people, that was just so nice. Because it felt like, you know, the band of brothers and all of these people that he loved and who loved him back. And just you know, that, that warmth that comes with, with those feelings, that I really loved. Yeah, and especially because he, he collected these people, yes, but not with like a conscious strategy that I want good people on my side. It was more that yeah. he had on his second turn through life, he knew when opportunities would appear where he could help people and where in the previous life, he just decided to mind his own business. In this life using knowledge that he already had, he decided to actively yeah. help these people. And because when you have somebody who comes out of the blue and helps you, there are times when like people really appreciate that to the point where they become really loyal to you. Mm. And he happened to have that band of people who were really loyal to him because he stepped into their life at a time when they really needed that hand and nobody else would have helped them. Mm. And that his help was sincere. Like Absolutely. He was never fake with people. And I guess, I mean, this also kind of works as a contrast to the villain who, you know, manipulates people by doing favors for them, right? And then he's yeah. like, you owe me. Yeah. And yeah. I have dirt on you. So it's like a it's like a nice mirror to that. Yeah. That, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that, but it is, it is an yeah. excellent mirror to that. It is. It is. And, and then there's... See, this is the thing that I realized after I finished the show. Why I ended up pausing it at that episode 10 point that that week's episodes had genuinely disappointed me compared to how much I loved every episode before that. And so, like, from that point, from, like, episode nine, it kind of lost its way, the drama did. So there are a few things that were wrong with it. I mean, I'll say a couple of the things, and I'm sure you both have things to add to that. 
One of the things was the way the characters were sort of arrayed around him, particularly the female characters. Agreed, like, absolutely. Neither of them alone was a strong enough character. And I think they picked the wrong character to focus on among the female characters. Like I found Kim Jian, who played uh, Kim Ye, a, a kind of like a shoehorned in... Like they shoehorned in her importance to him in a way that didn't feel organic to the story. Whereas I think they underused uh, Kim Jae-kyung, who played Hanmi, the reporter. Mm. And they underused the prosecutor friend whose name I can't remember right now. Um, But like you had this really strong cast and their talents and skills were sort of misproportioned around the story. And the other thing is that it really kind of ultimately failed to capitalize on his future knowledge. Like it sort of was brought out as a deus ex machina from time to time, Mm. but not in a way that felt strongly premeditated uh, and sort of strategically planned to benefit him in very specific ways. He didn't go back and make that same mistake of underestimating the villain, but he also... He had 15 years to figure this out and he didn't actually have a solid plan. He was kind of winging it. And the last thing that I will say about why it kind of failed was that it was spinning its wheels. The plot was spinning its wheels. The show was too long. Like it could have cut four episodes in the middle and ended in a more conclusive way. Oh, and the ending, the actual ending. I really, really disliked it because, I mean, you know, I couldn't help but compare the villain in this to Yoo Jae-myung in Forest of Secrets, uh, Stranger, in season one of Stranger, Mm. where, I mean, he deserves a thesis. Spoilers for season one of Stranger? I'm not going to say anything about, like, what actually happened to him. But the way, like, the the whole character of Yoo Jae-myung in Forest of Secrets, you could write a thesis on him. And I Mm -hmm. probably have written very long private essays to myself all about him. And I feel like that that was the level of character that you had going on here. But it ended in a weird, floppy way. And the way that the villain's villainy ended in Again My Life was very inconclusive in a way that left me doubtful of what actually happened and what was going to happen next. Like, I was very puzzled at the end. Instead of feeling satisfaction or at least closure, I was just like, I, I don't really know what happened. So that was... I was ultimately right. disappointed. And, and to, to, to build on what you said about his foreknowledge not really helping him at the end, I think what started disappointing me, and like episode 9 and 10, I was willing to understand a bit of slowing down because I thought that's where the hero spins his wheels a bit. The antagonist gets the upper hand a little. Other characters come into play. So the thing slowed down. But because before that, 1 to 8, especially 2 to 8, it was basically Ejun Ki just like leveling up and up and up and up and all his plans just working and nobody mm. else being able to figure out how and why and how mm. does he know so much and how yeah. does he specifically know how specific people will act in specific situations. And it was really satisfying. Yeah, that was so satisfying. But the other thing yeah. that was satisfying was in contrast to his first life, Ejun Ki wasn't brash. He Hmm. was still an arrogant prosecutor, but he knew when to keep (laughs) his opinion to himself. He knew when to play his cards close to his chest. And you could see him like flattering and going along with people he plans to take down later on. And until that point, episode eight, you're you're thinking, okay, this guy has a solid plan in his head. Like he has these things that he knows were his Mm. weaknesses. He wanted to be stronger in this life. He wanted to, you know, get to his position faster, like his position as a prosecutor, have like better academic background, all of that stuff. He wanted to save his parents that he absolutely did. And he wanted to be like richer, stronger, just basically a better opponent Mm. to the big bad. The problem is he stopped leveling up after episode eight. Yes. He stagnated to this junior prosecutor level. And then this, this is the position that you're going to fight the big bad from. Yeah. Like when you said you were going to become powerful enough to take him down. Yeah. The the, the power that he had was a few connections with like reporters and a couple of other prosecutors. And um, this one Chebol's daughter who may or may not be on his side, this yeah. it just felt so limp because we thought yeah. you were building up to something bigger. Exactly. 
Like you were blowing up this balloon and then it just sort of, and you know, I'll, it just slowly I, popped Exactly. Out. Ultimately, if, if, <laughs> if I'm to take the story as like a real life lesson, all I got out of it is Ejun Ki's character actually didn't change at all in his second life. He decided yeah. instead of taking like a, a trajectory that can like really shoot him forward and make him powerful because he had enough knowledge to do that. He decided just to tread the same path faster and then yeah. get stuck at the same point, more or less, and yeah. then have a duex machina come and save him. It was... It just felt very mm. unsatisfying in the end. And about the women, I didn't really have a problem with Kimia being the uh, eventual love interest because, again, that thing was just subtly going on in the background and I didn't think that was the focus of and the it show. it wasn't, But, the... no, my, my major issue was there were three women... All three of them were without partners throughout them knowing him because the implication was all three of them were basically pining for Agent Key's character. So you have basically have your harem set up right there. Um, <laughs> everybody around them saw these women as pining for Agent Key's character. So there was like an yeah. inbuilt joke that was often cracked about which of yeah. these gorgeous women are you going to finally go for? And like, what? Like you are setting up uh. these women who are who are independently successful in their own careers, but A, because he had helped them at different points, mm. like the story kind of gave him credit for their success, kind of like by virtue of having helped them at certain points, even though with the reporter's character, she would have become a reporter anyway. I mean, it's it's a weird thing. Like in, in the second life, he got credit for other people's achievements because he helped them at certain points. And then you have a, a, a situation where all these women are just like without partners, apparently never dating and just waiting for this guy to choose from amongst them. I did feel like in this drama, the romance was never the point. Like, it wasn't I, it the didn't point. Need a they romance. were a punchline. That was my, like, the, the thing I, that annoyed I think me. Even being a punchline, not a punchline, but just everybody remaining uncoupled in that drama would have been fine. And having a little sort of. Uh, a light suggestion that maybe there's something also was fine but what I didn't like was that they just didn't get to sort of fulfill their potential in what they could have done in his grand plan they just sort of were forced to remain at that level which I think is actually exactly what you're saying whereas you also had you know um Lee Min Soo uh Jong Sung Hoon's character yeah. which did this like really weird thing at the you know in the last quarter which you And just I like, thought it was building up to something Why did you do that it just made no sense. It was just like, we've run out of ideas, so we're going to make him bad, but he's not going to be really bad. No, but he, you're gonna, he's going to you know, do absolutely nothing. Like, he's going to suggest just, that he's going to nothing. do something horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to be like, oh my God, his, you know, somebody with the same no level of intelligence. Sense. Yeah, but no, because... <laughs> like, we've established who he is as a character really early on. We actually like, hadn't. They we had knew. kept... We, we didn't. I was actually okay with him turning out to be the vi villain because he but was always... But then he didn't even... That's exactly Sorry, my on, point. Yeah, Eamon Su, through, like from the moment he entered uh, Kim Hee Woo's life, was simply like, we are going to be friends. I'll hang out with your group of friends. But at no point did, did he have any challenges come up which showed his mettle. At some point in the latter half of the drama, he was dealing with this corrupt corporation head and he lost that battle and it, it was a wound to him because he really wanted to take this uh, head out, like the, the CEO out. But he got out of, uh, basically didn't get prosecuted um, or, or just mm. got a light slap. But that doesn't show his mettle. It doesn't show his morality. It just shows that he lost that case and didn't like it. So, but the, what the show had been setting Imin Su as was Kim Hee Woo's intellectual equal. Like he knows yeah. things, oddly understands things and is super keen sighted. And then suddenly... He turns around like they had always kept his morality in the gray area. And so when he turned around and was like, I've decided to work for the big, big baddie and I will take you down to Kim Hee Woo. Mm -hmm. Kim Hee Woo was like, it, that was the cliffhanger end of one of the episodes. He was like, ah, so that was like the big moment. And, and, the, and the music came out that, yeah. I, I love that. <laughs> that music was great, by the way. But then nothing. And then he does absolutely nothing. Yeah. In the next episode, now I'm still waiting for him to do something. And then just absolutely nothing happens. Yeah, it was very nothing, nothing burgering, oh. nothing. Yeah. And just a completely random side note, it's really strange to go from Again My Life 
two doctor lawyer where you have the same villain guy playing the same villain oh, character he's been play- uh, and he's and also playing the same villain guy playing the same villain character in why her oh oh is he uh, why is this yeah. man getting so much work yeah. he's the favorite even, in this industry don't even ask me why uh, like there's nobody else yeah. you could curse. do you want to hear my thoughts i feel like after all that it doesn't really <laughs> yes yes we do yes, 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 i'm sorry go 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 go, go. um I think so. I've dropped this in the middle of episode three. I started it for Ijungi and also because you guys were praising it so much. So I thought, like, let me try it. It's not usually my my genre of choice, but um, and I watched it with my mom and my sister. So it's the three of us. And even after like the end of episode one, we weren't really feeling it, but we were like, you know, it has such high recommendations. So let's keep going. Like, and also like Ijungi is great. He's great in everything. He we love him. So we kept going, but we found it so lacking in subtlety in a way that was just not working. Like, there are times where a lack of subtlety works for me. In this case, like, the music was so over the top and it was so intrusive, I found, to what was going on on screen. The editing was really weird. The directing was kind of strange. And then also, like, I mean, we only got, like, halfway through episode three, so we don't see him do a lot of things. But, like, this sort of series of him helping people... So you have this case of the girl who, you know, like she overdosed on the pills Mm. because she tried to die by suicide. And then like the way that he just like goes and has one conversation with her in the hospital. Mm. And she's like, oh, well, I'm not suicidal anymore. I was like, just to clarify, she wasn't suicidal. She was trying to stay awake and she took too much. So it is an overdose, but not suicide. Oh, okay. So I'm sorry. But like, it just, obviously she was struggling a lot with whatever, you know, and like there was an element of her having a complicated relationship with her adoptive parents. And he's just like said one thing to her and she's like, oh, well, now my problem is solved. Thanks for your holy words, Ijunki. Like, we were like, okay. And then like he had, so like there were a lot of things like that where it was just like so simplistic. The writing just came off as being so simplistic. And I, even though he was very charismatic in his role, like ultimately it wasn't really enough to keep us in the drama. Right. And and the other thing that I was offended by was like you have Kim Jian, which who I'm not really familiar with as the heroine. And it was really obvious from the first scene that she was going to be the end game romantic pairing. She's built at the top of the credits. And that as and well. No and also, here. and then you have Veronica Park. Oh, yeah. Such a waste. <laughs> and I was like, like yeah. and I could see how like from her first or second scene, you could tell how she was going to be sidelined. Yeah. Like I could see that she was going to be sidelined by the drama. And I was like, I'm out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's fair. That's very fair. So, you know, I I mean, I'm not discounting the enjoyment that you guys got in the beginning, but it just didn't work for me. You know, I think I really enjoy sometimes when stories are that simple because they're just the easy beats and they make you feel good. And inside, I am a 15-year-old boy. So that works for me a lot, but it does have to end well. I think also, like, I'm not discounting the power of simple stories. I think mm-hmm. it just dem- it depends on, like, yeah. what your particular enjoyment what yeah. your enjoyment lies in i think for me like that's not uh, your genre <laughs> formulaic no for me like i can enjoy a formulaic and unsubtle rom-com but for a time travel or a time slip drama i need to high quality one because i don't i think get as much enjoyment out of the genre as you guys do mm, that makes so. a lot of sense it's sort of like how you felt about sisyphus i guess a bit yeah Similar, but although the king. S- Sisyphus was <laughs> the king is more accurate to how I felt about this. Yeah, yeah. Except those those dramas were so Sisyphus, which just bored me to tears. I'm sorry. <laughs> the um, the king was also yeah. The king. Well, I'm. We won't go there. We've already. I, yeah. I, I feel like I've I've talked about Imino too much. Like I feel bad. Ba- basically. <laughs> Anissa knows when to, like, jump off yeah. the ship. <laughs> and the other two, like, we don't. Well, also, I think we all understand our different tastes, right? Like, we know what we like. And exactly. we know what we don't like yeah. and what we won't stay for. And I'm extremely happy to drop things yeah. at this point in my <laughs> K-drama watching career. Like, yeah. you don't need to waste time on things that don't make you happy. You know, it's a leisure activity. Exactly. At least it should be when you podcast exactly. about it. it yes, isn't always. I was just going to mention that. <laughs> yeah. So... Now that we have gotten our spleen out about uh, <laughs> again my life, <laughs> um, I quickly wanted to recommend this Chinese um, contemporary romance or 2022 drama, Legally Romance. It's airing on Vicky and it's it's completed airing. It's, um, I think, like a 33-episode drama 
40 minute length. Um, I, I just have to say that off the top <laughs> because of, you know, Chinese drama lens. And the reason I'm suggesting this is because this is a, this is another second chance at life drama, except it's the heroine who's getting a second chance at life. And the, and the second chance that she's getting is that in the first chance, she wanted to be a lawyer, but she met this charismatic Sunbay in college and basically gave up her dreams to support his dreams. Uh, didn't pass their mm. equivalent of the bar. Instead, just like helped him was his paralegal in his firm. And then when he decided to close down his firm and go work for a corporate, uh, you know, a big opportunity corporate space, uh, she was just you know, left behind. So, I mean, they didn't break up. He basically promised her that he's going to get the big job, get the big money and take care of her. And while she was like, well, this this was not the dream. The dream was for us to work together. And suddenly she had nothing. So she went off to work at this firm where they were like, you haven't even passed the bar. But her old nemesis in college, the one that she would compete with for the top spot, he knew her potential and hired her on as an assistant. But of course, that's not what she wanted in life. She wanted to be a lawyer. So when at a point when she's really desperately unhappy about the life that she's given up, she gets to go back in time to the first year of her college. And this time, the moment she realizes what has happened, she, there are two things that are her top priority. Number one, stay away from Charismatic Sunbay. And she does this to the extent where if Charismatic Sunbay is approaching her, she like, like lashes out, like hits him and runs away. And he's like very confused. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> number two is... Put, like, basically steal her, the, the career trajectory that her nemesis had, this guy that she was constantly competing with in college, that's the career trajectory that she wants. So she's basically like, I'm stealing his game plan and I'm going to be in that position in 10 years, not him. And so she basically starts this, like, proper arch enemy, like, competition with him and he's also very confused like he even in the first timeline she was his you know competition because and he knew her potential but because of that relationship she was distracted missed a lot of things and missed out on opportunities whereas in this timeline she is almost aggressive in her fight with him and again he doesn't understand where this is coming from it's hilarious and funny and just absolutely a riot i am like 15 episodes in and a totally different romance has sprung up and this was basically suggested by anya in a post she did for our website which was on uh, Kiss Six Sense, but it became about other dramas as well. It's called Legally Romance. <laughs> like and a proper life lesson. Yeah, yeah. And, and the reason she loved it was because the heroine goes back and instead of choosing to be with the same partner and like relive that life, she actively chooses to like avoid that partner, which is just so great. Yeah. I agree. And uh, a side uh, effect of her choosing to not be with that partner is that that partner is still very interested in her and pursues her. And then when she rejects him, she rejects him for things that he hasn't done yet. But it also puts him in a position where he has to like reanalyze decisions that he's making as a college senior at this point, which is going to set him up for that path. And he turns away from some of the things that were going to make him corrupt later on. So in mm. effect, she ends up changing that guy from becoming like the worst version of himself. But the story isn't really about any of the boys. It's about her choosing to please herself first. And I just absolutely love it. So highly recommend it at this point. Episode 15. Highly recommend it. <laughs> Thank you, Anya. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is really interesting to me about romances because again, like, you know, we talked about shooting stars and what we liked about that romance. And like I was telling you about Miracle. The thing I forgot to tell you about Miracle is that it's just such a, you know, I watched two episodes. It wasn't even two hours. The, there's a sort of a, an impending love triangle, which hasn't even begun yet. But I feel so invested in both legs of that triangle, like the boys. Like it's full of feeling and it's all like heartfelt and endearing and we were discussing the other day, I think, you know, if everyone doesn't know already, we're all very big Austin fans. And there was that persuasion, the Netflix persuasion trailer that dropped um, the whole, I mean, the actual, whatever it is, is it a film or is it a drama? I don't know. It's a film. It's a Okay. So that film is out, right? I mean, I'm so uninvested in it after seeing um, the trailer. I don't but, think it's out yet. Which, is it not? I don't okay. think it's out yet, no. Well, the trailer is horrible, and we all agreed that it was horrible and we didn't like what it had done to it. 
But because it made me think they made Anne go on. perky and witty. They tried to make Anne into another <laughs> Elizabeth. And this was not the story. Anne is not the character. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Uh, although, I mean, if we go into that discussion, we're, we're going to have to add another hour to the yeah. club. <laughs> but like, it made me realize that any sort of English language, rom-com, romance, anything, I don't think I've watched one at least in the last 10 years that I've really really loved whereas I can name you quite a lot that I watched earlier that I did love but also I don't know if that's nostalgia like when I say I loved a Cinderella story or like she's the man or something I don't know if that's my nostalgia or if it's qualitatively like it was that good but also when you think about behind the scenes stuff then you're like ew that was icky um anyway let's not go there but like I want to know, and particularly Anissa, I know you have an essay planned on this, if you wouldn't mind sharing with us. What is it that makes these K-drama romances so much more feelingful? And like, why do we feel things in these that, what are we, what's missing in those English language ones that is present in these? Or I don't know hmm. how to phrase that question. Yeah. <laughs> is there a better way of I mean, it? So for me, the reason that K-drama romances work better than the movies that I grew up watching, as much as I loved those, you know, Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, (laughs) that are like iconic from the 90s or, you know, I recently um, rewatched The Holiday with my grandma because we were just having like a lazy Saturday and um, it was good. But I was like, oh, I this is so American rom-com of the early 2000s. You know, and and I mean, that one is is a better story than a lot of other rom-coms. But like, I mean, A, they were just so, so white. Yes. They were so white. <laughs> and I think like now they're not as white. And, you know, like romance has been getting a lot more diverse in the last 10 years in like American media. I don't really know anything about British media or like other European media. But like, I think the thing that um, I enjoy so much about K-dramas, there's two things. One is that like, the emotional progression of their relationship is really where the bulk of the story takes place. The physical uh, progression of the relationship is like an after effect or a, it's not really that important is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And I think in a lot of American stories, the physical progression of the relationship is a really, it takes up a lot of real estate in the story. So it's not necessarily that like, People don't, you know, sleep together and, and do all that stuff in K-dramas. It's just not really the point. Mm-hmm. You know, either it comes at the end when the when the couple's bond has cemented or it's like, you know, happens in the beginning and it's like sort of a, a starter mm-hmm. <laughs> for, the, for like <laughs> a lot of hijinks. But it doesn't really like that emotional intelligence that K-dramas have and the, all of the sort of the small details of how you start to let somebody into your life like k-dramas really go deep on that yes they're very tropey there's a lot of cliches and they can be very formulaic like we joke a lot about like the episode 8 kiss the (laughs) episode 12 like breakup slash conflict but then at the same time like those are all there for a reason and it's Mm -hmm. because they need time to get to know each other before they have that confession or you know the first kiss or whatever and the drama needs to show you that their bond is strong enough that it can overcome you know even if it's like a really cliched time skip, like they can overcome hardship because otherwise, like, how are you going to believe that these two are actually going to stay together? You know, whether they get married at the end or not, like whatever relationship status they have, like they, you need to be able to see them overcome something big in order for them to really like last in your imagination as like a great couple. Mm -hmm. So I think like all those little pieces, K-dramas are really good. Like the good ones are really good at doing that. And like A, like a movie just doesn't have the time to do that. That's a difference in format that I don't blame American media for. But I also think that like in television, when there's a romance, either it's not the main focus, so you don't get all of those moments, or mm-hmm. it's kind of like the showrunners are planning for them to finally be endgame in season six. Oh, so there yeah. has to be all this other stuff and like mm-hmm. side detours, and you know, like <laughs> p- hurting each other in really horrible ways before they get to that point. And so then when they finally get together, even though you kind of knew they were supposed to get together all along, you're like exhausted and like emotionally damaged. Exactly. Much worse. OTPs get together and then they break them up over nothing. And then they right. get together with other people that you're, you're still like, but why my OTP? And then they get back together again. 
and again it doesn't work i mean stop it and then you're like i don't even want the and then you don't care anymore and you're like i'm not invested in this couple anymore yeah exactly it uses up your goodwill basically what happened with me with like castle i rooted so much for that couple but by season eight i was done i just i was so done not even eight i think at at season six or seven and then let's not even go into what happened with actual actors but just the feeling of like why are you killing my otp what have they ever done to you Mm. And it was so good before yeah. that. It was so, yes. I didn't realize that you had watched Castle, Dude, actually, are you, by the I way. would watch them as soon as it, it would end. I was like, what? Oh, oh my gosh. Oh. oh, wow. I binged it later. And I was like, so rooting for them and then they just I was just like what and 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 this? to your point you about do? like them getting together in episode season six because there was some bones that's what they did with bones they they fake put them together in different situations where you're like oh yeah they, they are almost going right, to get together right. and then they break they them just, up they keep teasing you with the possibility of this will they or won't they thing and, and like I know that always some... won't they but but then finally right. when when in bones the protagonists get together it happens off screen oh. the heck are you doing with your audience okay I quit Bones around season three or four but that's uh, that's really disappointing that would make you rage quit yeah that's pretty much what happened yeah. to me. I, 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 at that point, not only did they get them together off screen, she became pregnant off screen. Like, why? Why? What? what? Why? <laughs> I think this is also a problem with, like, the fact that most TV writers in American oh, wait, shows are oh, no, men. No, no, no. The way I said it made it seem like I didn't get sex on screen. No, no. I meant that they got together. She became, like, eight months pregnant. And then it was revealed to the audience that they got together is what I meant. I didn't mean that I wanted to see her getting pregnant. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I mean, that's I know not what I thought like, said. Yeah. yeah, appreciate the clarification anyway. But I think one of the issues that this stems from is that like most TV writers in American shows are men. And, you know, if you look at sort of the gold standard of American rom-coms, it's really Nora Ephron, right? Yeah. And Nora Ephron in a movie was able to do a lot of the things that we get in a 16-episode drama because she was just that good of a writer and she was that emotionally Agreed. intelligent and you know like I, I mean I don't often put people close to Jane Austen but like if we had a modern Jane Austen I think it would be Nora Ephron and the thing with a lot of American TV shows is just like they just don't like because they're written by men most of them they have this and even if they're not written by men like American TV is just has this like masculine dominant sensibility where like the things that are seen as things that that men do are given so much more time and uh, detail and real estate in American television than like things that are, you know, usually relegated to women, like feelings and, you know, relationships and even like family bonds. You know, that's why the things were like, it might be a rom-com, but you're still going to get the whole thing with like both of the leads, their parents, their siblings, their family relationships, how their families fit together. And if they don't have a family, like you're going to talk about that, you know, and that's just like seen as, inferior and not as interesting and not like serious storytelling material in American media. I think it's getting better, um, but it's still not at the level of K-dramas. Yeah. And to, to build up what you just said, the way I see K-dramas at this point is that it's it's a safe playground for women's imagination. Mm-hmm. And women's imagination is not this like sterile space, right? It has like toxic behavior by men that women find romantic. It has toxic behavior by women that women want to justify to themselves and to society. There are situations happening that women usually don't know how to deal with in real life. But in the drama, the woman manages to deal with it. It's a a safe space for women to do and feel and experience bad, good, amazing, exciting, stupid, silly things. And it's all there. Yeah. And it's not like we don't get action or time travel or sci-fi or fantasy because women can do all of that and we Mm -hmm. do it better because we're coming from the position of like the less privileged group who has had to learn how to do all the things that the more privileged group does plus our own stuff, you know? Exactly. And also K-dramas pretty much have every genre ever. And to add to that, they finally added one genre that was missing, which is this historical fantasy like just the super powered historical fantasy thing that Chinese dramas have been doing for a really long time, but not like as well as I was hoping that they would. But I think they may have hit the jackpot with the Alchemy, Alchemy of, of Souls. Souls. 
But it's just two episodes in. I'm excited to start this. <laughs> so let's let's just keep our fingers crossed. Well, let's leave it at that. That was amazingly put, by the way, both of you. I mean, I, I feel like I need some quotable moments there so I can sort of scribble them out. And also, everyone go and check out Borma's video on Alchemy of Souls. It will yes. be. We haven't seen it yet, but I know it's great. <laughs> and I am really excited to see it. And this is where we'll leave it for now. So where can people find us on the internet? So you can find us on Twitter at Dramas Overflow. You can find me on my personal Twitter at Anissa Khalifa underscore. You can find me, Saya, at Not Now Saya. You can find me, Parma, at Festa Faster. You can also find us on Instagram. Look up Dramas Over Flowers underscore. And our email is dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Dramas Over Flowers. And our website is dramasoverflowers.net. You can find that piece that we referenced by Anya about Kiss Sixth Sense. And also, uh, I've been recapping Miss Marvel yes! weekly. So if you're watching that, or if you watched that, I guess, if, if that's in the past now, check out my extremely emotional um, and very verklempt thoughts about seeing a Pakistani-American family on TV. It's an amazing show, uh, For the first time. If, if you haven't started it, just started. It's six episodes. It's not a huge investment of time, but I personally think shortcomings on all, it is in a quiet and definite way revolutionary. Mm-hmm. And also sign up to our newsletter. Oh, yeah. Which, that uh, if you're not able to check in with us on your own steam, let us do the work for you and land in your inbox whenever there is a new episode or a new blog post or some other fun thing that we're doing by the way it is our podcast's fifth birthday quite soon so if there's anything you want us to do specially to celebrate it please let us know through any of the channels that we have mentioned yes and that is all thank you for listening everybody we will see you next time dramas over flowers is part of the frolic podcast network find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts By the way, you know I did that wrong in the crossfire. Yes, episode. you know. Said, we find more, <laughs> find more dramas you love, and I meant find more podcasts you love. <laughs> and I actually listened to it and I didn't realize it until Borma told me later, and I was like, "Oh, I thought you guys took me." <laughs> I bet nobody noticed it except like me and Borma, and now everyone can go. I mean, I re-listened listen to this, and I'm like, she just said. Did she just say dramas? Five more dramas? And, and then right after she says that, she's like, did I say that wrong? And I'm like, no, no, you said that absolutely wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys were so proud of yourselves. Oh, you <laughs> uh, okay, guys, so that is the episode. I hope you enjoyed it and goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.